0: a very warm welcome aboard the pirate ship, the Reeve Gauche, and to the Captain's Table podcast, brought to you by Are You Not Entertained, and the brilliant sport and entertainment team at Howden Insurance Brokers. I'm Giles Morgan. I'm not actually a captain, or indeed a pirate, but a vague ancestor of mine, Captain Henry Morgan, actually was one, and his family all came from Wales as well. For 30 years, I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world as a boring old marketing suit in the sports industry. And along that journey, I have got to rub shoulders with the good, the bad, and the ugly from the world of sport. Having ditched the pinstripe suit for britches and the red waistcoat and cutlass that befits a pirate captain, I set out to create this podcast where I simply ask my special guests from the world of sport to share their own personal memories of being a sports fan and how that passion has affected and shaped their lives. Well, ahoy there, my hearties, and a warm welcome back on board my pirate ship, the Reeve Gauche, and for another episode of The Captain's Table, a show that is brilliantly supported by the sport and entertainment specialists at Howden Broking, the international insurance brokers, who have recently had all of their sails refitted and remastered with a brilliant new logo and who are hosting us in their very own dry dock, deep in the heart of the City of London. Can you believe it? We, We last met in April 2023, and my word, so much has happened in the world of sport. It's been truly a summer of sport to remember. The Ashes, a new Wimbledon champion from Spain, the World Athletics Final and a welcome return to form of the European Ryder Cup team. And maybe most exciting for us who work at Howden, the announcement of a brand new shirt sponsorship of the British and Irish Lions. Hooray! We had some brilliant feedback from the last show with Demoris Smith, who I am really thrilled to say is in the audience tonight. Dee, welcome back. Thank Lovely you. to see you. And it astonishes me to say some of the great and the good from the world of sport and entertainment are also here in the audience to add a little ballast to the show. So please excuse their coughs and splutters in the background or worse, the sound of their glasses chinking and wine slurping. They look like an unruly lot and probably are. (laughs) Happily, they're all going to join us and my guests for a slap-up dinner after the show. Enough of this tosh. To the business in hand. My guest this month is simply one of the world's greatest ever flat jockeys, Frankie Dettori. In a career that has spanned over 35 years, on the track he is the winner of 287 Group 1 races, has been champion jockey three times, and memorably won all seven winners on the same card at Ascot in 1996. In 2016, he reached the astonishing milestone of riding 3,000 winners. Off the track, he has been a captain of BBC's Question of Sport, is a restaurateur and is ahead of a very large stable of his own, with his own offspring as well. I don't think he gets that much sleep. So I am so thrilled that Frankie de Tori can join me on the Reeve Ghosh. And I can hear his footsteps on the gangplank right now. So let's welcome him to the captain's table. <laughs> okay. Frankie, welcome aboard the Reeve Gauche. Um, Nice to be here. Thanks very much. Well, you've got your chair feeling at home. Yes. Be careful of the the dogs, the cats, there's a a parrot. parrot. Am I on the deck or Ah. what are we? You're on the poop deck. (laughs) Yeah. And excuse the rabble of of this crew, Um, they may behave. There's the the
1: slaves downstairs.
0: (laughs) They're they're, they're rowing hard. Um, The bar opened a little early, so they look a little bit worse for Webb. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, this is not scripted. Today you made a huge announcement, which is very exciting, is that you, you announced some big news today, which I think everybody out there wants to hear, which is you're making a, well, you're not, it's not a return to racing, you haven't left it, but you're going to America.
1: Well, basically, um, last December, I thought, well, you know, I'm 52, I'll do one more year, I'll be 53, and I thought it's the right time to say that I'm going to stop. Well, it sounds a very good idea. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... Right, I'm going to say my goodbyes in California, back in England, France, Italy, Germany, all the countries that I've been, and eventually all my rides will fiddle down and uh, basically say my last goodbye, get out the back door, October 21st, and thank you very much to racing. But unfortunately, the whole thing just uh, went tits up, basically, because, (laughs) (laughs) because... Because I went to California and kicked butt there. I was second in the standing after four months. And then um, I nearly got a Kentucky Derby ride and the got injured. So I came back to England won the 2,000 Guineas on the same day. Obviously, I won the uh, Oaks in between and Coronation, Ascot. I got my uh, ninth Gold Cup. Uh, And then just things didn't stop and just kept on winning. I kept on winning and I got to... (laughs) And I got to August and I... You know, I said to my wife, "Am I really doing the right thing?" <laughs> you know, what? the phone never stopped. I was kept on winning and uh, complete what I didn't expect. So, in one hand, I was saying goodbye to places what I thought was my last one, but then in my heart, I was thinking, "What the hell am I stopping for?" You know, I'm doing so well. Everybody still wants me, and uh, I got to. Uh, August and then I thought, well, I got to get this right. Obviously, because I announced it to the world that 21st of October next Saturday is going to be my last day in Europe, you know, and they went out of their way to making a big deal of it. I, I was kind of thinking, well, it looks very hard that I say I will carry on, and then plus the fact that if I do carry on in England for one more year or two more years, it'd be just repetition. It will not give me. A uh, spice or a uh, incentive, and because I had such a good time in California last year, I thought, well, it's possible it would not offend anyone. But then I have to uh, the logistics. Obviously, I have got five kids, but luckily they are all eighteen and over. They all left home, so that made my life. Did you hurry
0: them out as quickly? Yeah, exactly.
1: As you... oh, by the way, that's going to go away. <laughs> so anyway, so they out of the house. So we got this massive. House in the countryside, and uh, we put it up for rent. We managed to get it rented, thank God. Okay. And then my third thing was try to get a US visa, and like that I got accepted. So today I made an announcement. Now then I know that I can, it's really happening. And uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I kind of feel like uh, I lied to a lot of people, but actually, you know, talking to my parents, I have to be happy with my own self, and I don't think. At this present moment, I'm doing so well that I'm ready to just stop.
0: So really, it was about the weather? Yes. Yeah.
1: So, so obviously, the weather, the not travelling, the fit women, the seaside, <laughs> the mountains. <laughs> just like England. You heard it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> just like England, yeah.
0: Well, I, I think it's hugely exciting. For those of us who uh, who love racing and how... So is...
1: that's it. So obviously, you read it on the... On the, on the, on the News today, but it uh, is happening, and I'm super excited.
0: Well, very, very best of luck in, the, in that year. I know not that much about racing, so I want to ask more about you. Yes. Tell us where you were brought up.
1: Well, I was born in Milan, in the outskirts of Milan, close to the racetrack, and uh, my father was, is from Sardinia. He emigrated from Sardinia to Milan, champion jockey, married my mother. My mother, she used to work in a circus. Uh, it was a Russian circus. <laughs> originated actually from Ukraine back in the day. And uh, but it was a family circus. You know, I remember I was four or five in the weekends because my parents separated when I was very young. So every other weekend I used to go and stay with my mom, and I used to basically go to the circus where my uncle was the clown, my grandmother, she used to work in the tail, And then uh, I was, if think about it, it was quite disgusting, you know, that... Six line in the cages, monkeys, <laughs> elephant tied on chain on the floor. But it was back in the day; they just shoved them in these cages and took him from town to town. And my mother, after she got married, she stopped doing it. But she used to trapeze and. You know, she used to ride two horses, stand on two horses. They used to tie her up to a wheel blindfolded, and somebody used to throw a knife at her. I mean, it's crazy wow. shit. <laughs> so so I, was, I had a very different upbringing.
0: Yeah, not like mine. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, basically, the horse has been in my life always and... Uh, you know, I, I thought I was stupid at school because I couldn't really read or write or whatever. But actually, they call it dyslexic now. So,
0: I'm uh, dyslexic. And tell me, I, obviously, your father was a jockey. That was probably your destiny. Were You sporty as a child with others. Did you love other sports? Yes, Did you play of other course. Sports? And what what were you, what were your loves? Football, I'm guessing. But well, of
1: course, so, you know, being, being in Italy, we you know, we had uh, the lunch break between uh, half past twelve to half past two, and we just, soon as we finished eating, we play solid. Football in the courtyard for two hours, sweating, tongue like a narcissist, <laughs> back in the <laughs> class, drinking all tap of water until it was dry. And uh, yes, yeah, obviously, my dream was to be a footballer, and I joined the local team. What position were you? I was number seven, right wing. Yeah. You know, obviously, when I was seven or eight, I was average size compared <laughs> to. I wasn't, I wasn't big, right? And then one uh, summer, we all went on holiday for three months, came back in September, went back to the town football team, and everybody grew a foot, and I didn't. So now from number seven, right wing, I was left back. Number two, so they used to kick the shit out of me, the big, the big guys, and I, I realized, you know, of course I love football, but I don't think I'm going to make a career out of it. So I veered towards the horses again. <laughs>
0: Keeping on football, who? what was your team? Who did you support as a boy growing up and who were your heroes?
1: Well, when I was uh, in a very early age, before I went to school, my uncle bought me the Juventus football team. And actually, being a Milanese, he was the wrong kid to have. But I didn't realise that till I went to school. So when I went to school and I was telling everyone I was from you, you know Juventus, my team, so I used to get beaten up home and away four times a year from the Inter Milan and the AC Milan supporters. And one of my heroes that I remember, obviously, what I'm actually good friends with now is uh, Liam Brady because he scored the last penalty to win the league in 83. I think I was 12. And then five years later, I met the guy. He went to an open date to my stable, and I met him. He, he knew where I was and why I was shocked. And also, he's fluent Italian, so you know, I still have his number on my phone and... Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing. You meet your heroes when you're such a young boy and then you meet them as a grown-up. I mean, it was a surreal moment. So.
0: And you still follow football, don't you? You're, I do, yes. You're an Arsenal fan, aren't you?
1: Unfortunately, well, fortunately, at the moment, yes. Well, we've got, we got an Arsenal fan. In the only house. one! Good. <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only one. Um, I suspect because you're from London, you're from Millwall, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you travelled all over the world with, with your horse racing and... I wonder what your favourite sporting stadium, not not within horse racing, but as a place to go and watch maybe football, maybe something else. Is there a place that you love to go that you revere? Uh,
1: that's a that's a very tricky question, I'll be honest with you. Good. Uh I mean there is a million good places around the world. Do you love live sport? Do you love to watch the, the can,
0: gladiatorial coliseum? You know
1: what, I'm I'm not, you know, just for example, I'm not actually a rugby person. <laughs> I mean Italy we're rubbish, aren't we rubbish on it. I mean, because, only because the ball is the wrong shape. It's like that, you know. The ball should be round. And uh, when England won the World Cup against Australia 15 years ago, when Johnny Wilkinson that drop goal, I actually cried of emotion because I love big sporting moments. Like stupidly, I, you know, even when Frank Bruno won his yeah. title after getting knocked over by everyone. And I cried. I mean, it's, I like big sporty moments. So well, that was going
0: to be a question and you've answered yeah. it. Do you cry in sport? do, you, yeah, I do, you get yes. very emotional?
1: I do, yes. Yeah. But listen, it's maybe because I'm Italian, but I'm, in in, in, in these kind of things, I'm, I do I do get emotional.
0: Now, I know you're a jockey, you have to sort of keep, I mean, you and I are exactly the same age, and it, I feel so ashamed. There I am. <laughs> where, where I can feel this stool just sort of creaking under the under the weight. But if you and I went to Arsenal or wherever yeah. to watch some sport, and at Half time, I generously said to you, Frankie, halftime food. Yeah. What are you having?
1: I don't... You know what? All the food I... I I'm quite spoiled. When I go to the football, I go in uh, other people's private boxes. I don't actually sit in the stand. And... Uh, they, they, I'm quite spoiled. Back in the day, I used to stand, you know, with everybody else. Yep. But uh, the the food that's served at the stadium these days is, is like pie and peas and chips or burgers and chips. What I don't eat. I, I can't treat myself all my life, not to eat those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I usually don't eat. But if you had a splurge,
0: a moment of, come on, is it steak and kidney pie? No. No, Okay, Mm -hmm. I I had a feeling it might not be. Uh, (laughs) And again, you've travelled all over the world racing. Um, Is there an event that you've not been to that's on your own personal bucket list that you would love to Uh, to attend as a fan?
1: Maybe the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah.
1: I've never seen a World Cup. Obviously, you know, it was in Qatar last time. But, you know, it'd be, you know, it'd be massive. Italy would be in the finals. That's why I haven't been. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have to wait a few more years after that. But
0: a World Cup would be... A
1: World Cup would be though. great. i will do a big football supporter. But, you know, Super Bowl be in the bu- bucket list. And as your luck, right, I would love to go to watch the Ryder Cup in Rome. <laughs> and with all the years they have the Ryder Cup, they had the on arc weekend in Paris where I was riding... So, I mean, myself been Italian, but probably never in, in Italy again. So it was a big, big miss. But, you know, there was uh, some of the things I like to see.
0: One of the great privileges of working in the sports industry, and you've been a, a hero in it, in, in your own sport, is that you get to meet people. And, of course, even in your days with Question of Sport, where yeah. people are coming in on those Sundays for the legendary lunch and then to do a quiz show, where sporting heroes are coming in. I wonder, is there a hero that you never Met that you wish you had. Oh, obviously, uh, I would say you know, he obviously passed away. Muhammad
1: Ali, I would say. You know, he was amazing. Not only a great sportsman, but he changed. He changed a lot of things in this world. So he would have been a person I would have loved to meet and ever chat with him. You know, so then, interesting.
0: A lot of people say that about yeah. him and what he changed at that time yeah, in the history. I
1: mean, he was. I mean, he's. I mean, for him. Uh, you know, to give his belt away, not to go to war. I mean, is you know, I mean, those days was big stuff. You know, basically had the whole nation against him. So. Yeah. And also it was so good, so confident and maybe too confident, but,
0: you know, it would have been uh, amazing to meet. Him. Yeah. And an emotional question, probably the last one. If there was someone that you would like to say thank you to, that perhaps you never have said thank you to, who has been mm-hmm. a part of your world that is just someone that, Y- you would yeah. want to say that. Is there someone that, that you think about? I think I usually say thank you to all of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I must say, no, I, I mean, it's a, that's a very good question. Like, nobody's born good. We all have uh, maybe some little things that better than others, but it's all about your journey of life. You know, your parents, your teachers, your circumstances, what makes you tick, and things evolves you know, my father was a champion jockey and it was, uh, to me, when I was a young boy, it was a bridge too far to be like him. I never thought I'd be like him. So all my intention when I first started, I wanted to be a jockey in Milan, be mid-table in the list, have my friends, have a normal life. But then, obviously, things didn't work out that way. My dad my dad kicked me out when I was 14. He put up things around my neck with my name on it, passed me over to stress in the... Easy jet on the way to Luton. Well, I uh, looking up at that yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I arrived in England, somebody collected me. I, bear in mind, I learned French at school, not English. And um, dropped me in front of my uh, bed and breakfast where I was living. And, uh, and that was uh, the start of my journey. And bless them, the people I lived with, they made a big fuss for me, right? So it was ten people living in this bed and breakfast and uh, all the table was set up and... Uh, you know, obviously it was sign language, right? Yeah. Seven thirty <laughs> dinner, right? so they sat me down and because they were trying to be really nice, they served me Eines uh, Einstein ravioli. Uh, that's the guy who lives in Italy, right? <laughs> right? And and they're all scoffing it away. I'm playing against... Oh, this is... and the smell of that horrible like <laughs> Einstein sauce, like because uh, 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 like big bean sauce, I think. God, this crap. And then uh, and then so that was my first shock. My second shock was in my I had, I had one single. Room with a small bed and a little sink, and I don't know why in England you have two taps. Why don't you have one tap for both? Both, right? So I had two taps. So you had a sco- sc- You burn yourself with one, or freeze your going with the other one, right? So I was like, <laughs> so I had to play with that. And then it was a massive bottle of orange. Oh God! Oh nice. So I poured myself a glass. I one goes, it up. It told me. A week to realize that you have to mix them with water. <laughs> it's called the call it cordial because we don't have uh, we have the real stuff. You have it's real... wash, right? I thought oh, there was it was an experience. You know, bear in mind I was fourteen, so it was all.
0: Were you very homesick?
1: Did it take? I was, work? yes.
0: How long did it take you to adapt? Three to months. It? Okay. And because what changed? What happened?
1: I changed because I, I was getting towards fifteen, and uh, then I started chasing the girls. You know, something from there started go, started working together, <laughs> and then uh, and then I thought, God, this is all right. <laughs> and then uh, and then I mastered the words. What is this? Like, what is this? Glass. What is this? Water. So then I, I spent three months saying, "What is this?" to learn the language, and then and that was it. Then I was out. But luckily, because obviously, I live in Newmarket, a uh, racing town. We all fight for four. So. I could have been 15 or 36. It didn't matter, you know what I mean? Yeah. I could still get into the pubs or nightclubs. I was okay. <laughs> so that's, that's what... Uh, that, that, that really changed the dynamic of me being in England. I thought, this country is not bad now, actually. You know?
0: Apart from the ravioli. Yeah, the ravioli, yes. Yeah, the ravioli, so, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you play golf? You do, don't Badly, you? yes. Do you? So imagine you've got a dream four ball. Yes. You're the captain. Yes. Who's in it? Well, I'm a good friend with Lee Westwood, so definitely
1: with him because I played a lot with him of course you got to say Tiger Woods I met him a few times but he's a grumpy old guy <laughs> Fair <laughs> point Fair point uh, I would say it would be very, very interesting to have Jack Nicholas. and uh, I met Gary Player a lot of times he seems a very sound bloke
0: yeah, that, that's pretty good. Uh, you might not win, but... No, be no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no I've, I've been driving the buggy. Yeah, you can tell I'm not really a horseman. I'm, I'm not entirely built for it. But the question that came um, to me earlier today was... I mean, 3,000 winners. I don't know how many horses you've ridden, but it's going to be a ridiculous number. Two questions. Is What is the relationship between a jockey and a horse? Because you're getting on, you're trying to win the race and then you go on to the next horse. You go. Is there love? Is, what is the, the manta horse as a, from a jockey's perspective? Well, I get asked that question again a lot of times. So basically,
1: uh, look, we, we train horses from scratch. You know, we break them in. I, I, but I used to do that. No, I, no, I just do, do the last bit. And uh, so it's repetition. Teaching the, the horse to do the same thing and then eventually get them fit. And then uh, you, go, you get all these uh, experts, right? They say, oh, this horse is a sprinter, this horse is a miler, this is a... Those doesn't pick up the race for me. He says, oh, today is a mile. I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to go too fast early because... Bullshit. <laughs> so basically, we train him to do the basics and then start to us, the jockey to create a rapport with him. And we only got Five minutes. The minute we see the horse, we get on it, your body language, your voice, the body language you have with him, and he knows, and you know, because he's, I've been doing it for 30 years, and he knows if you bond in him, and I know, and you try any body language to make him bond with you, because you want him to obey your commands, but together, not forcing him to do it. Because all of a sudden, after those three minutes I'm on the horse in the paddock going to the start, after I bonded with him, I can trust him. And when I say to him, come on, I want you to go faster now, he'll do it for me because he trusts me. And when I say to him, hey, let's slow down, we're going too fast, he'll back off. Because if those horse weighs a thousand pounds, wants to go flat out, and you haven't got that bond, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you can't stop it. So that's the most important thing. And bear in mind, we use horses for blind people, deaf people, handicapped people, people with special needs. They got the six cents, and that's the most important thing. And if you have that bond, you can win and lose races because, you know, we go a mile race, and it comes down to this. So if I have the edge to, with somebody else, then I can make that difference because... If you give me a donkey, it'll always be a donkey. But if you give me two equal horses, and I've got that bond,
0: I'll beat you. So, do you so. think the circus? I mean, obviously, dad. Yeah, you've got that in your blood, but also growing up with animals. Do you think that was a big help?
1: Yes, but it, there was. There were, of course. So you got to start from, from a kid. I mean, you know, I started with ponies, then I did a bit of show jumping, and then I went to the summers. I went to the stable. Of course, it's all part of the process. But then also, you got to have good people will challenge you as you go along in life. You know, I had Luca Kumani, one of my first trainer. He used to be a right pain in the ass, actually, but he was good to me. I mean, he used to be tough to me and he used to challenge me. You know, he used to put me horse, were was difficult. He also used to pull or, or buck me off. You know, he used to challenge me. That's because he said to me, listen, if you want to be a good jockey, you have to find the key of every horse because every horse is different. It's not something you buy off the shelf. You know, it's like all the dogs that we have pets they all have a different character. So, like I said to you, the, the dose doesn't know. It doesn't read the form and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, today yeah. I'm going five furlongs. It doesn't know. It's, we have to tell him.
0: And a question, you're in the, the waiting room, you're getting ready. I imagine the adrenaline, I can't imagine, but I imagine it's huge, you're nervous. Some sports, they there's sort of geeing up music, no mm-hmm. pun intended. Do you get into a zone or do you try and be very zen? And mm. what's, what's the mindset before you know you're going on So it? It really depends on being on the pressure, really. Right. Yeah. So you're aware of that pressure and then...
1: Of course, you know, I, I'm quite a light person, so I go the other way, I'm probably more quieter. Some people are quieter, they might be more louder, so it goes vice versa. It depends, you know, I mean, it's very hard to describe yourself when you're in that moment. Only people will tell you what you're like. Right,
0: you're you know? unaware.
1: Yeah, so, but, you know, is You know, the thing is, I was, as you do the sport for so many years, you get... More experience, you get. You are able to control your emotion a bit better. Now bear in mind, it's this last six months when I told everybody I'm retiring. I have to deal with the thought everybody saying goodbye and be my last time here, last time there, and also the thought I'm still concentrated on the big race to ride. So only now that I'm 35 years in my job, I can, but still difficult. Yeah. I still feel not in my stomach. My hands are sweaty, I've got a dry mouth, but your heart is beating. But you know, if you don't have that, you're not human. You know, yeah. you, you just, that's, that's
0: fascinating. We now come to the part of the show which um, I call the captain's broadside, where okay. I ask you just a series of rather random um, quick fire questions. So you've come on board my pirate ship, the Reeve Gosh, and we're free to sail wherever you want in the world. Where can we drop you off? And remember, it's quite a, it's an old ship with sails, and yeah, you know, go with the metaphor a bit. we can go, we, we, we go anywhere you want, okay. but it's better if it's on where, where there's water and land. obviously. Oh yeah, of
1: would. course, yeah. <laughs> I would like to go to South America.
0: Oh, that's a good long trip. I,
1: I've been there before, but not as I mean, I've, I've, I went to Argentina, rode there. I, I stopped by in Brazil a little bit, but it's so much to see there. I'd like to Argentina, Chile, Peru. Yeah, Amazon. I oh, mean, wow. It's, it's we're so doing much... a full
0: cruise. Yeah, okay. no, no, no,
1: but just drop me off in uh, you Rio. Know. Yeah, that, I that, mean, I'll
0: do that. Thanks <laughs> very <I mean, laughs> much. Let's start with Rio. And as my guest, first night, yep. um, I'm going to feed you, the, the, the chef. is a bit substandard, but we're getting there. Um, what would your three course meal be? Your choice. Oh.
1: Well, I left to obviously go Italian. Antipasto, I would like maybe uh, carpaccio with truffles. Nice. White truffles. <laughs> A main course, uh, uh, lobster linguine. And I, I don't really eat uh,
0: dessert. You can have cheese. I'll throw that in, but <laughs> You can have cheese.
1: I would say maybe dessert... Uh, maybe Italian gelato is fine,
0: good enough for me okay. a sorbet. Yeah. We'll get that ordered for, for, for later. Thank you. Um, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> that's, also, a, that's, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is actually. Yeah. Um, but we're also going to give you, just go with it, we're going to give you this beautiful ensuite cabin in the Reeve Gauche in the ship. Oh, perfect. I know it's 16th century, but it is a power shower. So, what song does Frankie de Torre sing in the shower?
1: <laughs> I don't really sing. I'm not, Do you not sing? I'm a terrible singer, no. But isn't that
0: the time to sing when no one can hear
1: Absolutely, you? Absolutely, I'm crap at it. Are you? Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know any songs anyway. Okay, that's if good. Because anybody can help you what, you? what do you
0: like? Any requests out there that, for, yeah. uh, that Frankie can give it a go? We'll, we'll get to that. And what was the first album for those people who are over a certain age will understand what an album is? What was the first album you ever bought? So, I
1: mean, um, that throws me back a few years. My beloved sister, she's great. When I was. Uh, and she bought me a Walkman, the cassette. Oh. Yeah, and he, amazing. I thought, God, I've got music my, <laughs> on top of my head. The surround sound. there, the button you could talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'd be your own DJ. Yes. And uh, she she bought me an ACDC uh, oh, tape, yes. Black in Black. Oh, what I, I want to death. Album. Yeah. It's a proper
0: album. Yeah, it's proper album. Yeah, I like uh,
1: that. I mean, it's really dated now. What know. was your first car? Oh, my first. Don't laugh. So. Mark, we used to call him Bruiser. Bruiser had this car, Mazda 363 or whatever, had holes on the side. The seatbelt would not work. So I, I was 17, right? I didn't want to go through the whole system and get the le- lessons for yeah. the car. So uh, this dodgy friend of mine said, if I give this dodgy guy 200 quid in Manchester, he will pass me. <laughs> <laughs> So, in fact, so anyway, but you have to take the cash there, and then us. Uh, no, the very we had no sign-up, right? So it's the big map, right? So I bought the car from Bruiser for 200 quid, right? No license, no insurance. Drove the fucking thing all the way to Manchester. <laughs> blah, blah, blah blah. Three hours, right? No license, 70 hours. This, I mean, it looked like 12, right? <laughs> so I arrived there. Anyway... Uh, at this do with this guy and he, he comes all serious with the clipboard. I like, do this, do that. I got this, I am nailed it. <laughs> gave him gave, gave the 200 sheets in the envelope. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I get out of the car. You go, he said, uh, sorry you failed. You <laughs> he said, sorry you failed, you better come next week. So I tried to the free house. <laughs> no license, no insurance, and I went, thank God, they didn't have to pay him the second time. I had to drive again to do the license. That's so embarrassing. Oh. So I, fail, I, I bribed the guy and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, how bad was I?
0: Oh, my God. And um, do you like cooking? I mean, second yes. night you do the cooking on our ship down to South America. Yes. What is you, your? What is the Frankie de Tori?
1: Well, listen, I can cook a nice uh, um, uh, spaghetti matriciana. Very nice. I can cook that. But in general, I cook fish or chicken, but he it cooks itself. Yeah. But, you know, I can do carbonara, I can do meatballs and uh, I can do lasagna as well. But I don't do the old, uh, I buy the ready-made uh, sheet of pasta, but I can do the sauce and all
0: And do you have a favourite nightcap? Uh, something to help you sleep, maybe dream?
1: dream no, I usually I'm a wine person, I
0: don't really uh, drink liqueur. Everyone knows about you, racing and, and all of the things you've done, a huge personality. Do you have a, a hidden talent, something that people don't know? Do you like yeah. play the, the, the violin or something? No, I wish. No?
1: I mean, my dream was to learn how to play the bagpipe, Amazing Grace, but,
0: <laughs> but
1: I, I, I never got to that. I didn't even tried it.
0: <laughs> so, well, this... wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> it would certainly be memorable. Um, <laughs> if, if this is a pirate ship, obviously, ish, and if we pirate ships are there to smuggle treasure, that's what they yeah. do. If we could smuggle something that is not animate, but inanimate, but your most treasured possession that we could take on board and take it somewhere to bury it safely for all time. Mm. Is there something in your world that you...
1: Well, I would say uh, I'm not a material person, but something that it tickled me when I was a young boy it was my dad's watch. So basically I was a young kid, right, and uh, you know, dad, old fashioned, and you know you, you didn't drink, went to bed at nine after the news, just absolutely perfect, and a machine. And then, so every year, because he used to win every year in the, the Jockey's Awards, right? He used to get his smoking things out. Eric and he opens the safe And he used to pull this watch out. White gold, Piaget, he used to dangle in front of me. Yes, son, see? See this? Piaget, right? Look at that. <laughs> if you win the English Derby one day, it's yours. He used to put it on put it back in the safe. A year later, same fucking story. And I was obsessed about this Piaggio. It's something that just, anyway, car long story short, for 15 years straight, I rode in the Epson Derby, I had numerous favorite, never won it, and every year I was like, you know, you won everything in the world, you never won the Epson Derby, the most important race in this world, I was like, never mind, and then also the thought, like, I'll never get this watch. So, coincidence, my dad's retina came off. He came off, He had a problem with, with his retina. And uh, so he had to come to England to get it operated because the specialist was in Moorfield Hospital in London. And it was the same time as the Derby. So he came over to get his eyes fixed. Guess what? I won the Derby the same year he was here. with was having his eye done. And true to the day, I never even forgot about it, he gave me his watch.
0: Oh, that's wonderful
1: and I've got it I've got it in the safe and uh, I'm so scared of it I'm there putting it on it's just, it's just, I look at it sometimes Ooh, I'm just, I've been with this, uh, this uh, stigma all my life
0: Oh, that's, that's wonderful now Frankie before we go to dinner yes. um, I know that somewhere in, in the audience yes. we have a, a very special guest here today Diana Edelston um, whose birthday it is today and Frankie has a small gift for you Diana so Diana I just thought, here we go yeah. Come, on,
1: come on, come on, darling. Wow! <laughs> this is when I was young, see. i not only that. They
0: haven't
1: said that we won five hundred. I know. I yeah. Grade one. Should I tell them that? No, they're they not. Anyway, you got loads of goodie advice. I've got to tell them a story before I go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is. This is chocolate. Uh, oh, chocolate. More chocolate. Wow. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Honestly, you got uh, Aprian for I don't Everybody know why. Anasca oh, one, that. <laughs> oh wow. Anyway, uh, be, be, I can will... I tell him a little Please. story? Yeah. Anyway, Diana's <laughs> birthday. Yeah. I want to tell you something. So anyway, when I funny story that happened to me about ten years ago, I was um, on a big race, Newmarket, where I live, and it was a Sunday. It was a beautiful day, and uh, so I the well, I thought I was going to have a small party, right? Then eventually the party got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now all of a sudden I got 200 people in my house and we all having the time of our life. I was DJing and all that. Anyway, I left everything open. I woke up the next morning and I realised then my dog ran away because she used to like to chase the rabbits in the, in the garden. So I got a message on my answering machine. I played it. I hi hey, Frankie, we found your dog because she had a, a collar, right? Can you please come and collect it? This is uh, Caroline Warren. And Caroline. Oh my
0: goodness. So,
1: Caroline Warren, she's married to the Queen's yes. manager. Yes. Well, she lives in the next village. So, I well, thank God they found the dog. So, I called Caroline. I said, Listen, Caroline, I'm very sorry. You got my dog. Can I come and collect it? And Caroline said, Listen, a bit of a problem. We are on my way to Sangriam to pick up the Queen. So if you come at seven o'clock, you can say hello to the queen, and pick up your dog. I went. That's that's,
0: that's, that's. I
1: went. That's great. So this is
0: the king of racing. No 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 no
1: no. no. So, no so, 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 so so my wife she's mucking the ponies out in the courtyard. So I opened the window. Honey, we found the dog. She said, uh, "Who's got it?" The Queen's got it. <laughs> she went fuck off. So anyway, oh. so I got I got my daughter Ella. She was ten. I said Ella, get your little dress on. So we're going to get the dog from the Queen. <laughs> so she arrived. That so we drive to this secret location and we arrive there and all the bodyguards are outside. We walk into this cottage and. Uh, you know, and uh, John Warren, uh, he's, called double, he's the manager, It's all like proper. And the queen's there by the fire, she's having a gin and <laughs> <laughs> So I walked in, oh, your majesty, and the um, like, this the curtsy and all that. Right. <laughs> so now she spent half an hour talking to my daughter about the ponies, do you ride, which school do you go? I'm standing like a lemon. So, so anyway, so now uh, half an hour later, they let the dog out, run straight to me, right, and there's a pee in the Persian carpet. <laughs> Of, of John Warren. Typical. So my daughter's tried to stand on it, and now at that moment, Queen's laughing right off. Right, you can go now. I got kicked out. Anyway, happy birthday. you should tell 500. Yeah, did. I saw it on the television.
0: It was amazing. Handlewell.
1: Hopefully 500. Wonderful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Um, wow, right. You, you can't follow that. Frankie, you have been the most wonderful guest, and... What a what a pleasure having you on board the Reeve Gauje and on the Captain. Thank you very much to all our listeners thank you for your support of the, of the shows we make please do review us it makes a difference blah 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 and you can release us on Twitter uh, that's entertained R for people in the 21st century that's at entertained R you can follow Frankie at what's your Twitter handle what,
1: what time is Mr lobster, lobster
0: Spaghetti category? it's coming soon it's coming what's your what, do you know your Twitter handle I don't I don't I, I don't. think it's at Frankie Dottori. I don't I, the thing I'm is right,
1: most of the people on Twitter Instagram want to kill me when they lose money so
0: I don't do it okay <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I understand, I understand, right?
0: <laughs> so and, and you can follow me, Giles Morgan. So i leave that to my Morgan. manager, that's his problem. Yeah, uh, that's his problem. Kill him instead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Frankie de Tori. Thank you. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you so much.